Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Ooh, Romance at a Glance, Authors at a Glance. I'm your host, Bridget, and with me today is my co-host, Shawnee. Hi, Shawnee. Hi, Bridget. How you doing, girl? I am doing very well. I've had half of a glass of wine, and I am feeling <laughs> quite warm and happy to be here with you. Oh, yeah. I'm feeling toasty, too. I, uh, you know, though, Bridget, let me just tell you right now, I am feeling mad slow, okay? <laughs> mad slow. I'm having a rough couple of days. And I will tell you right now, like, even though there are sponsors, I'm telling y'all, I need my magic mind. I thought you ordered some and it got there. I know it's not here yet, Bridget. And I'm not okay with this. Like, I, yes, I, I, uh, I ordered three because one didn't come and then another didn't come. And then I, I was like, well, I can't run out again because this is unbearable. I can't raw dog life like this, Bridget. You guys, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. So <laughs> I, I discovered an email that Shawnee had emailed on our podcast email to our magic mind person. Let's call her A because I'm not sure she wants her name to be out there in the streets. No, so let me you because it has emoji i'm gonna read you the emoticon too because it is the funniest thing i ever read and i was because i saw that i had missed an email from her and i was like oh that's weird like i don't feel like we have an email you know like i wonder what she's emailing about (laughs) and then i when she had emailed back like a uh like a a gif of her saving the day or so they don't need to hear this and (laughs) and so i Shani, just get, they're gonna hear it it's gonna be great so i was like well let me go back in the history so i'm gonna read it to you guys now and you're welcome this is the funniest thing i've ever said the little like oh, embarrassed face listen this is shawnee can you ship me some more go go juice asap like seriously i ordered a subscription but it takes forever to come it took two weeks for my last order to leave the factory i'm not gonna make it dot 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 why does it take so long dot 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 don't leave me out in these cruel world with no magic mind, dude. Dot, dot, dot. I've seen what it could be. Dot, 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 dot. My sex drive came back. I know, TMI. But A, dog. Crying emoji, eyes looking emoji. <laughs> if that isn't a ringing endorsement of a product, I don't know what it is. Like, no shame. This person is not out there to be giving us more of this product. Like, that is not her purpose. Her purpose is to determine whether we should be part of their organization long term. And Shawnee, in the middle of, like, the night, sends this email. And I have to say that A handled it like a champ. She was like, absolutely no problem. I'll send you some. Uh, so she's saving the day and, you know, more importantly, Johnny's libido, which is what we really care about. Um, but I, I literally died laughing. Also my dad and like the most ADHD move ever. I had sent him the link because I was telling him about it and he's like, Oh, that sounds like something you should try. And I was like, yeah, you really should. And see if it can, because Shawnee has ADHD and it really helps her. So maybe it'll help you like focus, blah, blah, blah. He literally could not order from the link. He's like, oh, order me some. And I was like, order from the link, dad. He's like, you order it for me. And I was like, that's not how this shit works. You're supposed to just order your own. But he has so much executive dysfunction that he can't even just like go to the link and order it. So I had to give him half of my order because he was at my house the other day. And I was just like... This better work for you, and next, you better get on your own subscription package, Rob. 
Listen, 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 I know, listen, I, listen, I've not been in the corporate world long enough to write professional emails. I needed to know where I was coming from. There's legitimately no professionalism. There's like not even like full sentences. There's so many dot, dot, dots. There's no capitals. Like it is a wild, <laughs> it is a wild email. Like honestly, if I was there, I would have been like, yo, these are the people we need this ladies to into the magic mind. Oh my God. Anyways, I just started taking it three days ago and I already am like, oh yeah, like I have so much more energy. I feel like I've gotten so much done in the last few days. You remember what it could be. I remember, I remember what life could be. I don't get as mad at my children because I'm not as tired. I can't say enough about it. It's a good time. If you guys want to try it out, uh, we have a code and you can use our code, which is a romance at 20 because you get 20% off. Um, or you can go to magicmind.co forward slash romance 20. Um, or of course you can just click, click the link in whatever description you happen to be listening to this podcast on. It is a great time. I am very excited for you to get your subscription. Uh, I'm also very excited for this author interview. I have to say a quick apology to Emma. So we are talking to Emma Berry. She wrote a lovely little rom-com called Chick Magnet. And she wrote another lovely book called Funny Guy, which was supposed to come out in between Chick Magnet, which we talked about and when this podcast and then her next book was supposed to come out. However, uh, we had burnout and then we took a break. And so this podcast is overdue. I actually interviewed Emma alone uh, back in the early spring. Um, You might call it late winter, early spring. It was a long time ago. (laughs) Guys, it was too long ago. So Emma, I want to say I'm sorry. It had nothing to do with you. It was totally on me. We didn't have that magic mind yet. (laughs) We didn't didn't have the magic mind yet. And we are now back. And this is no shade on you. That interview was charming and lovely. My chickens are doing great, by the way, in case you're wondering. They are now, we talked about my chickens. They are now laying their own eggs. I had four eggs today. It was a very exciting day. Both of her books are very fun rom-coms, very charming. I read them both basically in one sitting. And I am very happy to uh, intro this. Shawnee, you did not talk to Emma, so this will be a treat for you to listen to as well. I know. I'm really excited actually to hear this. Also, just on a side note, book club, our last book club, it was popping. <laughs> I had a grand old time. Oh, I feel like I we're all going to know way too much about each other, but, but I had a grand old time. As it should be. Isn't that what book club is for? I've been told. Guys, when we say book club, I want to preface that we do read a book and we do talk about it a little bit, but I would say of the hour long conversation we have six minutes is maybe 10 is devoted to the book and the rest is devoted to just other books, life, funny stuff. I was supposed to be having dinner with my family and I finally had to get off when my computer died. And I was like, okay guys, I'm for real leaving this time because I miss completely just missed dinner. So we want to say thank you to our patrons who came to book club. And if you want to join us, you can go to patreon.com forward slash romance at a glance and support us making this uh, free content for you. And also you get to hang out with us IRL. And we are also going to, I say IRL, but it's over the internet. You guys, we don't all live in the same place. You know what, you know what's up. It's via Zoom. Um, And also we were thinking about maybe doing a movie watch of red, white, and blue, red, white, and royal, royal blue, blue, excuse me, yep. uh, which is on Amazon Prime. So we're thinking about scheduling that. So if you guys want to watch that movie with us, we're also going to do that in the next few weeks, which should be very fun. Another fun rom com. Oh, yeah. And next week, we got the B Dagger B Lassiter coming up. Okay. And I'm actually really interested because one, 
you know me, I don't necessarily remember all the books I read and I have a vague recollection <laughs> of where the Black Dagger Brotherhood left off. So, and I don't have it in me to go back and like brush up. So no. also if somebody out there wants to give me the TLDR, like literally like a five minute TLDR of all the books right before the last yeah, books like books like 12, 12, uh, 12 on. We like we remember the beginnings. We're talking about like 12, 13 onwards, you know? I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I stopped reading uh, also at The Chosen. That book made me so angry that I have, I never finished it. I was that bad. Yeah. yeah. So it was a hard one to get through. Yeah, uh, B Dagger B, if you're out there, uh, hit, hit us up. I want to know. <laughs> I want to know what I need to know before I read Lester. And we are also going to be premiering our first rag on romance episode, which is going to be us basically talking about all of the other content that we consume. And by us, I mean also like me, because, you know, I have no shelf control. And so it will be me being like, Shani, I read these 10 other books. And like, let me tell you about all of them. And also like movies and TV, like I'm super obsessed with the summer I turned pretty season two right now Heartstopper season two just came out like there's a lot of stuff to talk about so I'm excited yes I'm, I mean I'm gonna talk about like my novella stuff because I love every kind of novella from every country that like exists so like I just finished Alchemy of Souls which is on Netflix uh and that's the kind of shit I love like in between reading like when I get burnt out from reading I really love to just be in like novellas like the cheesier the better like the more crazy and honestly listen these like the specifically the chinese novellas they're fucking wild the stories man stuff i could never even dream about you love k-dramas too you know i love i love k-dramas i love nollywood bollywood any kind of did you watch attorney woo oh yeah i finished it but then they they don't even know if there's another season coming out there i don't think they're gonna do one i'm so mad it's so good because we loved it we really loved it. We were watching it. Like, like I hardly ever get to like watch series with my partner, but we got to watch that one together, and that was really nice. So, like, I hope they make another season. You know, I don't think they're going to. I'm reading. I'm watching My Happy Marriage, and it is the slowest, slowest. What's that? It's like an anime, like love story based on a manga, and it's like, but it's episodic like one episode a week like when we were children what is that dude okay so that's like the new thing that a lot of the streamers are doing where they're guys this is a preview of rag on romance and then we're gonna get to the episode but that's what all the streamers are doing they're doing they'll release like two three episodes and then they like string the rest of them out and part of me likes it because it like really strings out how long i get to be invested and then in between the week i'll like rewatch scenes or maybe I'll go like watch an interview with the cast if I like the show or whatever so like in that sense I like it it's kind of got that nostalgia but at the same time I'm like motherfucker I just want to know what happens just give me just give me all the just I want to stay up till 4 a.m and I want to watch this whole series (laughs) and I want to be happy and stop trying to make me unhappy I can't I can't do it I'm like okay I gotta stop watching it and just wait for the whole season to come up but now we should get into this interview Yes, I'm a Barry. We're here in these streets for you, my friend. Everybody, let's get it poppin'. Romance at a glance. Uh huh. Romance at a glance. What you say now? Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. 
Hi, Emma. I'm super excited to have you. Your book was a delight, and I'm coming off a pretty big reading slump. So it was really excited. I read it all in one day a couple days ago. And this is also kismet because two days ago, I was online deciding which brand of chickens I should get. That's so exciting. Wait, you're going to have to tell me at some point what breed you decided because now I'm really curious. So I haven't actually decided, but looking at your author photo, and I'm pretty sure I might get that one. Excellent. There are... Th- those are that's an Americana that's in the picture with me. So yeah. Also, my dad's from Rhode Island, and so I think I'm going to get some Rhode Island Reds for obvious reasons. Meant to be. <laughs> and I was also thinking about a is it a windote? Oh yeah, the Wynadots. So they're gorgeous. They have those amazing feathers. Yeah. Yes. So so pretty and cold hardy, which is my style. It turns out. So reading this book, and I never really thought about how funny chickens are. Like, I'm excited about composting with them, obviously getting eggs and throwing them my kitchen scraps and stuff. But I didn't actually think about them just like being fun. I went through pretty much exactly the same thing. I was like, I'm going to get chickens because I want eggs. And at least where I am, it's very hard to find eggs, fresh like farm eggs outside of the like farmer's market season. So like after the summer, I was like, wait, I have now become accustomed to like delicious, rich, buttery eggs. Like grocery store eggs are, they are a compromise. Once you've had like real fresh eggs, like anything else. And also eating eggs from chickens whose names I don't know feels like impersonal to me now. I'm like, I don't know. Like, this is unacceptable. This It's a very intimate relationship, right? But my chickens are honestly delightful. I mean, it's a different relationship than with my dog or my cat. Like, I would not say it's the same degree of emotional intimacy, but they are a gosh darn delight. And like every day, like we, I, we also have like a chicken run in part of the yard, but we always let them out. And because of hawks in our neighborhood, someone always has to be out with them when they are, you know, exploring and foraging, which is like the best part of their day. And like, they're so fun. And like every time we open the back door, they like run to the gate of the chicken yard because they think we're going to give them apple corn or lettuce or whatever and they're like psyched I mean I don't know that they like love us but they have a relationship with us and they have very distinct personalities and um, chickens are a lot of fun in addition to the eggs not just because of the eggs exactly that is exactly what I'm hoping especially also that my kids will love the chickens and we'll get kind of like a family experience out of it 100% my kids are much better at picking up the chickens than I am for me to catch the chickens feels like this whole production my son in particular is amazing at it and the chickens are just like okay kid like whatever like as long as he like supports it properly they're like okay fine and like they're funny with pets too like when my dog is like sleeping in the grass they'll like come up and like peck his tail and he's like a giant like 80 pound labrador retriever i'm like it's like a predator i mean he would never hurt them but it's so funny how like bold they are and they're like we got you dog he's like okay (laughs) we also have a retriever and i am already planning on how i'm gonna get him used to the chickens so that he doesn't think that they're a snack My guess is that it will work out totally fine because my friend Genevieve Turner, who's the one who encouraged me to get chickens, she also has dogs and chickens and turkeys, and she's not had problems with the dogs being aggressive toward the chicken. I think the dog sees you like taking care of it and like it lives in your house for a while. And I think the dog, just like with the cat, they get accustomed to it. Okay, this is another member of the pack. I understand. And um, and so I I was very worried about it, but it's all worked out fine. So. Oh, good. I love in this book that she's like an accidental chicken influencer. Um, I know you talked a little bit about having chickens yourself, but how did you come up with the fact that she's like a quarantine chicken influencer? 
So it was completely accidental and very much grew out of our own quarantine experiences. So I have had chickens for five years now. And when we first got chickens, it was purely thinking about the eggs. And I was like vaguely aware that there was like an online chicken like community, but I'd never really followed it or gotten into it at all. And then, you know, Q 2020, right. And we all go into quarantine and one, we were like calling our feed store because we wanted to get more chicks. And they were like, we cannot keep chicks in stock because everyone is getting chickens. So that idea was in my head. But then two, I started consuming more content online, just like purely me, not book research, just like Emma as a person. Um, and started following some chicken influencer types on Instagram and then eventually on TikTok. And there is a massive chicken community online. And some of it is more like how to like, you know, what should you put in the bottom of your coop? And like, what are like 10 chicken diseases and how you treat them? But also there's like a whole like chicken, like lifestyle thing. Like one of my favorite chicken influencers is drinking with chickens. And she's like a cocktail blogger um, who also like has a huge garden and like makes all these like fancy syrups using like herbs, but also as chickens and always like photographs her cocktails with her chickens. And it's hysterical. And so as I was consuming this content, I was like, this is great. Like it's a fascinating subculture and I enjoy watching it. I was like, wouldn't this be a fun like hobby or job for a protagonist and a romance to have? So it purely grew out of like my own media consumption habits during quarantine and thinking about other people, you know, watching more social media and you get so invested, right? You're like, oh my God, I watched them. I watched this person like plant this garden. How is, is the lavender going to grow in that location? And then you like have to know. And so I just thought that would be so fascinating for a protagonist in romance to kind of have that, have that gig. Yes, for sure. And I'm also very aware from just like being on the internet in general that couples or even friends channels can really explode because you're like guesting on their channel and then you go faster. And also you're kind of learning how to do it and how to post and how to create the content. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to spoil too much, even though obviously, dear listeners, you know, I spoil shit all the time on this podcast. But I do really love how Will is like open to her helping him make content for his practice but also i'm glad that the solution of the book isn't that he became an influencer himself because mm-hmm. i don't really feel like that would have fit his personality and also some people need regular jobs i am so glad that that worked for you so i i was worried about it and I went back and forth about it and that was definitely something I considered. I was like, well, maybe then he just is like her next influencer sidekick and that felt problematic to me because part of what I was trying to talk about was these like parasocial relationships that we have with the people that we feel like we know online who we obviously like don't actually know um, and how there can be ways that can be awesome. Like if that's what you want to share, but there are also ways that that can be really like negative and unhealthy and like her relationship with her ex was not good. Right. (laughs) So I didn't want her and will to like recreate that same dynamic. Um, I went back and forth a lot about his business and like what should happen with that. And without like getting too much into the end, for me, it was a question about like Will's character, like you were saying, and like, what does Will really want and what's going to feel authentic for who he is in terms of both like giving him a happy ending, but also balancing the things he really values. And I think for Will to become like an influencer would not be what Will really values. You know, Will really cares about his patients and he really cares about his patients' owners. And so we wanted to give him an ending that um, felt true to that, not true to maybe what Nick values. For sure. And I think, you know, one of his things that he likes about it 
social media in general is that she loves it. Um, I've read books and movies based in quarantine and this book is definitely part of the aftertimes, but I did like that the romance is still the forefront. I think some people get a little bit lost in that balance and I'm really happy that quarantine and sort of the effects of quarantine didn't overshadow the fact that this is indeed a romance novel. And I'm so glad that worked for you, but I should say like right up front, I don't, I don't know the book's going to be for everyone because COVID is is in the book. Now, I don't think it's that many words in an absolute sense, but the words cast a really long shadow. You know, Nick took off during quarantine and then the effect that quarantine had on Will's practice, plus some like other things that are happening in the veterinary industry, you know, was really was really negative. And so that that is certainly there in the book. I know that there are going to be readers who don't want to read about COVID or aren't ready for that yet. And that's like totally fine. It's just not going to be the book for them. For me, it feels like we're three years into this, you know, and to write a contemporary that that totally ignores it, um, for me, at least in my kind of goals, like I, I want to write romances that feel like they grow out of the world that I know, the world that I experience, even with all of like the unpleasantness that we've all gone through. And I hope that it, for people that it works for, my desire, my dream is for the love to feel more magical because it's happening in a world that has COVID, not to sort of ignore that. But I know that other readers are going to want other things. And but I think that's worth, you know, knowing going into the book that there is this is a post-COVID world um, for good and for ill and that we're seeing both the people who benefited from that are not benefited, but who were able to turn that into an opportunity and people for whom that really sucked and um, has destroyed, you know, kind of dreams. And the weirdness of like all of us feeling lost going to an event or how you're relating to people for a while. This podcast was legitimately the only place where I was talking to anyone who wasn't my children or my spouse or like my family on the phone. I absolutely 100% understand. And there's still things that I haven't done in a post COVID world that it's like, can I even do that anymore? Like what would that even like, like going to a store and buying clothes. I have not done that since before quarantine. Like ever, all the shopping I've done has been online. It feels so weird. Like, like, I don't know. Like, can I even do that? Is that even a thing people do anymore? Do they still even let, do they have dressing rooms? I don't know. Right. Like there's so many experiences that I feel like I haven't navigated even in a post COVID world that just feels almost impossibly scary now. I think I really liked that, you know, feeling of sitting in the dark as well that you were portrayed. Cause I feel like you could just tell people things, anything in the dark. That is one of my like favorite and like micro tropes, maybe I would call it like, I don't even know that it's a trope, but like that idea of being in the dark with people and telling truths that you would not tell if like the lights were on is I just, I love that. And that's definitely something I've had that experience and that feels just very true to me. And so trying to give Nick and Will those spaces where like sometimes when other people are around or it's like during the day, like when they meet at the farmer's market, they're very much being their kind of like mask selves the like selves that they present to the world. And part of why I think Nick and Will fall in love is that they both kind of see the truth underneath the like mask self. And so giving them those moments in the dark on his porch where they begin to sort of tell each other the truth, the truth that they're not telling anybody else was really, um, I don't know, I really love that. And so I'm glad that really worked for you. Dear Romance Besties, if you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash romance at a glance to check out our awesome perks, including stickers, watching movies with us, naughty book boxes, and you can even be on the show. Can't be a patron? You can still support the show by purchasing books or things we recommend through our affiliate links on our show notes and our dope ass website. Thanks for the commish. Or you can leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts. 
screenshot your review, send it to us on Instagram, and we'll send you some stickers. Okay, so I have a confession that when I was reading this, like, I, I've never lived in the South, but I really want the sort of fact of southern porches to be a real Mm -hmm. thing like you're just wandering around seeing friends and neighbors on their porch is that something that you experience i do um i'm not a native southerner i mostly grew up in montana but i've lived in virginia for 15 years and i was having this conversation with someone the other day like at what point am I from Virginia? Like, does that happen? Is there like, it's like an existential question where I still list my hometown as being where I graduated from high school. I haven't lived there in like 25 years. So I don't know. Right. Um, we do not have a porch in our house, but we live in a neighborhood of like all these like mid century colonial houses. And most of our neighbors have porches and I'm jealous. I'm so covetous of their porches. We have like Adirondack chairs in the backyard, which is great, but it's not a porch. So I am jealous of porches. And so I gave my like porch dreams to them based very much on the architecture of kind of our neighborhood where a lot of people do have that. And it seems so nice and I'm so jealous, but anyhow, um, it is a fantastic fantasy I think for me too the one that's a little bit more geographically like around me well your writing feels like your setting was very lived in so when you're crafting a setting like that how do you get those things across so it starts for me really with character like I think of myself as being a character driven writer and I'm usually imagining like these people but then the next component for me always tends to be setting and I sometimes will make like sketches like I was for my next book which is set in like a tiny New York City apartment like I literally was like square foot like how big is the kitchen and when you're sitting here like can you see into the bedroom and like that blocking for me is really important because I'm not a visual person I have friends who are very visual writers who say like I see it like a movie and then I write it all down and because I don't have that space I think I have to like compensate by thinking about setting so like I had a very clear sense of like what is the you know her house to his house and what can she see from this window and like where is his porch relative to his house and like her backyard like I have a sketch somewhere of her backyard and like you know where's the chicken run and like where's the gate because like all of that blocking was really important for that like chicken chasing scene um, and so it's like, how do how does this environment and this moment and also like the culture where the book is happening, limit the characters choices or create like extra, um, I don't know, like incentives for a character to act a certain way or punishment if a character does act a certain way. So like the setting is geographic for me, it's temporal, but it's also like cultural. And so thinking about, you know, I, this is a fictional town is somewhere south of Richmond, somewhere between like Richmond and the North Carolina border, but thinking about the weather and like, how is the weather going to affect the characters and how big exactly is this town? And do they have big box stores or do they have to drive to Mechanicsville for the target? And like, what would that be like? And um, so these kinds of questions about setting for me become questions about character choice and like what options do they have or what options am I taking away from them because of the setting that I've sort of given them um so I I love those setting questions I know that there are other readers are like no I just want the love story thanks like I'm really that concerned with where it's happening but for me I I love that texture um and so I you know always try to build that into the book You've written a bunch of books now, and as you are writing, are you finding that it takes less time to write or pro, you know, possibly that the editing process is faster because you're writing cleaner? 
That is such a good question. Um, And the obnoxious answer is that I think they take about the same length of time. I think there's some things I'm much better at. I'm much more of a planner now than when I started. When I started, I was 100% fly by the seat of my pants, no plan, whatever. Like I would just kind of have two characters and a sense of the dynamic between them and go like wrote with no plan. And the editing was an absolute bear, right? Because I was writing with no structure, such a mess. But now I have more of a plan going in. I feel like the writing takes roughly the same amount of time in part because I'm slow. You know, I really struggle to write more than a few thousand words a day. I'll typically have two or three really good weeks and then I need kind of a break and then I'll have another like two or three really big weeks. So I usually write in like two or three like bursts. Um, And I don't think that has changed. I think, though, I can get very thinky now with my process in ways that are not necessarily good. So I'll get myself stuck, like sort of intellectually in a book. And sometimes I just need to skip whatever I'm stuck on and like go ahead to something else and keep writing rather than being stuck. But I will sort of... I don't know. I'm like, I gotta gotta fix this puzzle. I gotta like work out this problem. And sometimes... It's emotional. It's not a, it's not a thing I can think through. It's a thing I got to sort of feel through. Um, and so knowing more has not necessarily helped me feel like I write faster, if that makes any sense. It has made me better, a better editor. I'm a much better editor today than I was when I started. So I can get a note from someone. And even if I don't agree with their solution to the note, I can think through like what the editor is saying is a problem and brainstorm solutions and implement those solutions better. So something that would have felt impossible to me when I started like, oh, this subplot's not working. I have to like surgically remove this plot and I'm going to add this other thing. in instead that would have felt terrifying to me in the past. And now I'm like, okay, I understand how to do that. And I also know that I can do it. Like we did a big edit on the book that's going to come out after Chick Magnet and it was a good first draft. And I think it's a really, really good finished version. Um, And I would have been so frightened by that revision process five or six years ago. And I was like, okay, I can do this. Like, I'm really confident I'm going to be able to get this done. Um, So I think my editing skills are much better. Sadly, I don't think my drafting is faster. (laughs) I mean, me and Johnny always say that you really find it in the edit anyways. I have friends who write amazing first drafts. I really do. Like Olivia Dade is a good friend of mine and her first drafts are like to die for. It's obnoxious. I really should dislike her very much because I don't know how she does it. She's a ton of planning at the start, but her first drafts are incredible. Um, I am not that way. And I could, and I have spent years feeding myself up about it. And that's just a waste of time. Like I am an editing writer and I am going to write something and then like walk away from it and come back and fix some things and show it to some people and fix some more things. And that's just going to be the way that it is. Like it's that or quit. Like there's not another way out for me um, from that, that morass. <laughs> I don't think there is a how to be. I mean, if it's working for you, then it's working. How did the query process work for you? So um, my career has had fits and starts, I would say. Um, And so when I first started, I thought that agents were for like fancy people. And so like, I actually did not query agents at all when I started. And now looking back, I'm like, what was wrong with you? Like, I should have been querying agents in like 2012, 2013. And I just didn't. I was like, oh, that's our like fancy writers. I'm not a fancy writer. Um, And so the first series that I sold, I sold to Karina um, and I sold it on a Twitter pitch so they were having like a like a pitch event um and I pitched on Twitter and there was an editor who wanted to see it and I sent it to her and then we sold and it was like six weeks and looking back 
it's almost disgusting. Like I, I can't, I mean, publishing is really different now, but it's unbelievable to me sort of how that went. And the series came out and was nicely reviewed and that was great, but it did not sell. Um, and so that was really disappointing. Um, and then I wrote a kind of indie series with a friend um, and we liked those books. They got great reviews and they're sort of like cult hits, maybe like people still read them and talk about them, even though they've been out for many years. But again, we were not sort of selling. Um, and so then I, I did query agents and I signed with an agent in 2015 and she wanted some edits on the book and we went back and forth a bunch. Um, and essentially I think she and I had a very different vision for the book and my career. Um, and then I just went through a very dark period where I just not feel great about my writing. Eventually I split with that agent who I think is a good agent for many people. She just was not a good agent for me. Um, and then I was sort of at this crossroads in 2020 about whether or not I wanted to keep working. Like, do you want to write? Is this really a thing you want? I wrote Chick Magnet to be a sort of last book that was just for me. Like I honestly wrote that book for myself because if I was going to quit, I wanted to quit from a place um, where I just wasn't totally depressed about my work. So I wrote the book. I finished it in January of 2021. I showed it to some friends and they were like, you should query with this book. So Olivia Dade introduced me to Sarah Younger, who's the agent that I eventually signed with. Um, and so I was querying agents over the spring and then I signed with Sarah and then we went out on submission in the book in the summer of 2021 and then sold it to Motlake. And I, I mean, no one was more surprised at this outcome than me. Like it was uh, utterly shocking because again, that was really like, I'm writing this book for me. I'm writing this book for myself. I'm going to make it weird. I'm going to write about chickens. I've got gonna write about COVID. I'm going to write about mental health issues. Like it's going to be kind of a sad angsty book, but also with chickens, like it's going to just going to write it for me. And that anybody wanted it um, was really surprising. And I'm still kind of not used to that. I, I honestly keep expecting like candid camera to jump out at any moment with this sort of with this book's release coming up in a few weeks. So that was sort of what happened with it. And again, I'm, I'm just, it feels odd. It feels surreal. It feels very surreal. You know what? Writing for yourself and not thinking about readers gives you the freedom to add more texture to your book. And I also think that like an MC who goes to therapy and isn't dependent on the female MC to fix him with her love or her magical vagina <laughs> um, is great. And also that his grovel was a realistic one. Absolutely. And in, as I once I decided he was going to be a vet, I started reading more about vets and mental health. And there really is this kind of mental health crisis around veterinarians. And there's a lot of change in the field. Like one of the things that I learned was that um, economists estimate that by the end of this year, half of veterinary practices in the U.S. will be owned by large corporations. And three or four years ago, it was only 20 percent. So it's this massive shift, like 30 percent of the industry being, um, you know, corporatized in like a five year period. And obviously this it's like a ton of people like that's a lot of change plus there's all of like the stresses and pressures um, of covid lots of people got pets now some people are like moving away from pet ownership or economic or like it's all very complicated and so once i started building that in and i'd also already given will like this very complicated family situation and suddenly this very complicated professional situation to me, the way that I was going to be able to believe in the HEA was to feel like Will was trying to take ownership of that and to fix that. And that while Nick helps that journey, it makes him feel like people can love you even when they know the truth about you, which is what Will needs to learn, I think, over the course of that book. I also didn't want that to be on Nick to to fix like that had to be like 
will. So I, I'm super glad it worked for you because I wanted to like say something about men and mental health because I think men are can be particularly resistant to getting help, um, you know, in our culture. I mean, there's a lot of stigma around mental health stuff generally in our culture, but I think some of that interacts with masculinity in these negative ways. And so for me to believe in their HEA, I needed to see Will getting better, right? And I don't think it's finished. Like at the end of the book, I don't think he's like, fixed. Um, you know, I think it's going to be an ongoing process, but I believe that he's going to be that he's on that journey. Right. And I think he's like headed in the right direction. Yeah. In terms of masculinity, that shame of like failing or feeling, you know, like you failed, especially when like it's sort of out of his control of everyone ordering their stuff online for their pets mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, I also think like it's super cool. I went one time to where my grandma grew up in Northwest uh, mining country in Hibbing, Minnesota. And it was fun to like, everything looks basically the same as when she grew up. And she was like, yeah, this is the general store. And that was the house I lived in. Uh, And it's cool to go somewhere where you like get to go where your favorite person is and feel connected to them. Yeah. My dad's mom is from a small farming town in um, North Texas. And I remember going, it's like Itasca, Texas and going to Itasca and having like a very similar kind of reaction and being like, Oh, that's the place from this story. And then kind of also realizing like, this is, this is really isolated, you know, <laughs> kind of like seeing the reality of that in a place that is also like a sort of time capsule place and I think small towns in America frequently do have that like time capsule like they feel like hermetically sealed from the outside or like Brigadoon or something um, and I think that Nick has that sense for her grandma I was also trying to play around a little bit with the small town trope where often it's going back to your own small your own small town roots and here it's not her small town roots it's this kind of like imagined idealized like small town that she's going back to but for Nick I think what she needs to do is reconnect with who she is like if will needs to learn like people are going to love you even if you quote unquote fail what nick needs to learn is who are you and like you need to get back to who you are because you've wandered away from that a little bit and so i mean literally geographically going back is a way to kind of reconnect with her roots but also like her burgeoning relationship with will i think is a way to reconnect to who she really is and what she really wants yeah that's true and then everyone is meddling i love that in books obviously not in my real life definitely something that's better in books than <laughs> yeah. in real life right for sure 100 so why don't you tell everyone about your book that's coming out um excellent so the book that's coming out after chick magnet is completely different they are standalones they are not in a series and in that book the male uh, main character is a comedian and he is a stand-up comedian and he appears on a sketch comedy show that happens to tape on saturday nights in new york city um and he has been dating a british pop star and they broke up and she released the number one hit single in the world called lost boy which is all about him and all of his flaws and so there's this media firestorm around sam which is pretty normal for Sam. Um, But he decides to hide out at the apartment of his childhood best friend, whose name is Bree. Um, And Sam and Bree have known each other for 25 years, super great best friends. But there's two things she has never told him. The first is that she is in love with him. And the second is that she is finally trying to get over him and has just applied for her dream job across the country. So he is stuck in her tiny New York City apartment with her for a week and everything sort of starts to change, which is terrifying for both of them. So it's friends to lovers, forced proximity with this kind of New York City comedian background. Um, 
and I just love it. And it's like, it could not be more different of a book than Chick Magnet. And it's coming out in four months, almost exactly, which is really terrifying for me. But um, I'm just so psyched to see these two books out in the world. And I can't wait for people to read them. So how is it different writing the steam in like a Forks proximity setting versus in this book that we just read? It is, but it, it's also a very slow burn. It's, it is a, it's a higher heat book though. Um, Chick Magnet for a bunch of reasons, um, just ended up just a little, a little lower heat, probably even than I normally write. And it felt right for the characters. Like that's not a critique. It, I think it's the right heat level for who they are. Um, funny guy is because she's like carrying a big old torch for him from the beginning of the book, right? For her, it's like, pining inside right she's like dying like every interaction they have she's like I love you and then like has to keep that inside and he's he loves her but he thinks that a platonic way though I would argue I think he's in love with her from the first page of the book but he's in like deep deep denial about that um and so the heat has to be there because you have to believe these are or people with chemistry. I love friends to lovers, but I think the complication of friends to lovers is you have to make the reader believe that these two people who've known each other for years or decades and have never acted on that attraction have that attraction, right? So I think that's the like degree of difficulty with that trope. Um, and so there's a lot of sublimated pining and a lot of sublimated longing. But what I'll say is that when things explode, they explode fast and very hot, but it does take a while in that book. I feel like your book is not really a closed door, but it's also not really fully open. It's hard for me to talk about heat level these days because I feel like the definitions are changing a little bit and it does depend on what a reader reads. Like if you read Emily Henry, this book is probably just pretty hot, but if you're reading like Tessa Bailey, this book probably doesn't seem hot at all. So it may depend a little bit on what someone's experience is. It's so, yeah, it's Somewhere in the middle, but whether that's high middle or low middle is going to depend on what someone normally reads. If there's one thing that you wish that people would ask you about your books or writing, what would it be? Um, I really like the dialogue in my books. I feel, um, I think that's my strength as a writer. And often when I write a scene, I write the dialogue first, like almost like a play. It'll just be like lines. And then I go in and fill in the interior, like monologue with whoever's head we're in and also the description. Um, but to me, it's, it's really hard when I have to write a scene where there's not going to be a lot of talking. Cause I'm like, how do I do this? Like normally I built this around the talking. Um, and so I really like my, I really like the dialogue. And when people compliment my dialogue, those are often the compliments where I'm like, yes, Nick, it like that's what it feels because I think that's what I like the most about them and so it feels like yes you're so right you're so right about that because that's the way that I see it well I did enjoy the banter and the dialogue with her best friend the other chicken lady like when they're like so do you want to go to coffee there's almost like two romances I think in the book I'm so glad you picked up on that because that was what was important to me that there is a kind of like friendship courtship that happens too and there's like levels of intimacy to that so I am so glad that you picked up on that because I meant that to be there well, Emma, thank you so much for being on the podcast and just being here with me. This was an absolute delight. It has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely to chat about the book and to chat about chickens. And just thank you very, very much. Absolutely. Uh, and of course, you guys, I'll drop all the links into the description of wherever you're listening to this podcast. And until next time, may your books be your lover and your hand your best friend. Bye for now, kids. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. 
If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.